Hey guys, I have Crystal Cruz with me this time around. Uh, Crystal is an awesome circus performer in a thousand different ways. Um, she's done belly dancing, burlesque, um, sideshow acts, uh, fire acts, and uh, predominantly stilting now. Um, I knew her from like, one occasion that we got to kind of work together. I mean, we didn't get to interact much one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, I, I definitely loved getting a chance to talk to her. She had so much interesting stuff to say. We actually ended up talking for another like half hour or so after we stopped recording, just chatting about random stuff, and she even messaged me later on the next day um, just with more stuff that she wished she had had a chance to say on there, um, which I think I'm going to try and follow up a little bit later with, so we'll see uh, how I can work that in. But I really think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, so tell me what you think of Crystal Cruise. Starving Artist Phoenix and Joni Machete. I'm with Crystal Cruz today. How are you doing, Crystal? Awesome. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Good. Well, glad you're here. Um, so, just like you were telling me uh, right before we started, um, just about how varied your skill set has become over the years. So, I'm, I'm curious, like, kind of what your first foray into the arts was. Because, I mean, circus performance, that's a really specific skill set, too. Um, so, I'm curious how, how it all started. Uh, belly dance and fire. Originally, about 12 years, no, 13 years ago, I got really hardcore into belly dance and fire and then became an instructor locally. And that was my primary. That was all I did. And then, lo and behold, some different styles of performance started becoming popular at the studios that I was going to. So that's when I started getting introduced to burlesque. And then I joined a group. And it was a provocatee at the time. We did that for a lot of years, produced a lot of our own shows, but we kept growing in skill sets beyond just the burlesque, and we kept taking more classes, and then we teach each other stuff too, <laughs> you know. So from then, it, it started collecting more. It started collecting, and we turned into not a burlesque show, we're a variety show. And then a lot of us started learning more circus stuff. So now it's a ver burlesque variety circus show, you know. <laughs> and so the definition of, of what we were doing or what inspired us kept altering depending on how inspired each individual artist that was part of the collective was getting. So you all were just kind of playing, like reaching out and kind of playing around with different things until you each kind of found your passion, like your one thing right. that was and like, some of them yeah. already had some. Like, we had one girl that was really hardcore to tap, you know, and that was her thing, and her burlesque numbers, too. So you, you have, like, a stitch, you know, that you do. Um, I used to do a lot of balance-related arts because I came from belly dance, so you'd catch me carrying things on my head and dancing all over and, and not dying. And then, you know, fire and stuff. I think that's an interesting thing that, like, burlesque does is that, like, you can really bring in, like, another, like, specificity that you have because it's just, like, burlesque plus tap, burlesque plus fire, burlesque plus stilts, whatever you have going on, you can always kind of make it work for you. And it's just kind of grown over the years because it wasn't just us. You have all these other artists in the area that are growing in their profession and such. And then um, I really became part of Circus when, uh, what was it, Circus School of Arizona. And some of my friends that were choreographers and such were holding auditions for a new production that they were doing at the time, Cabaret. And I auditioned for that. And then I got into that one. And then, of course, you're hanging around all these circus, like real circus performers all the time and circus instructors. You're like, oh, that looks kind of fun, too. So can I play on that or can I do that? So you just keep adding more. And then... Through circus, you start hanging out with some sideshow performers. You're like, hey, that's not too bad. That thing doesn't scare me. That other thing scares me, but that doesn't scare me. And then those things that used to scare you start not looking so bad after a couple years. You're like, yeah, I'll do that. Too. You know what I mean? So you keep walking yourself in until you have so many props that you have to have extra storage units like me <laughs> on my property. Uh, my house is a complete art house like there's costumes and props everywhere survival of the fittest to me versus my props and 
it's just one of those things. You keep adding more. There's there's more. There's more stuff that we do. It just keeps going. We we went from me being at the very beginning, thirteen years ago, working in corporate like a soap right now. Full-time job, getting into, oh, as an adult, and I was an adult, I wasn't a kid, I wasn't a teenager, full-on adult, I'm going to do something for myself and take some dance classes, and oh, I want to play with fire, oh, and then you keep adding, right, and then you start spending more time at work thinking about your next routine for the next show and writing out choreography than you're actually working, it might be a sign, (laughs) Um, so I started actually backing down my hours for my job until eventually... It migrated over completely, and I started taking up more opportunities. So I went into art modeling and more other things that I can use, the skill sets that I like to use on stage. And how can I monetize that, right? So art modeling was really great, and probably that style of artists are the ones that see me the purest. Like, they actually physically connect, and they try to paint it all and capture it. It's great. Um... And it's also nice that because I am focusing on what do I enjoy to do, whatever I'm doing, it falls in that category. And the people that I'm normally around, they're in a space where they're doing what they want to do as well. It's never a situation of, I'm at work. Can we leave now? Can we escape? Can we take a longer break? I really need that. Um, so it's, it's never in that situation, which is nice, right? People are actually happy when you're around them. They're not miserable unless they're, like, sick or something and making rehearsal because they're a trooper. But that's, I mean, that in itself says something because if you're willing to stick it out, you know, even if you're not feeling well, that's more than people could say about most jobs they've had. Right, right. They don't want to let down the collective or they see the end vision. And so they're in it, and that's awesome. You learn. You learn. Not everyone is really in it, so... Taking on group projects can be uh, a learning experience, you know. I've learned great things, and I can say right now, everyone I work with is awesome. Nice. I don't have dramas. <laughs> it's really easy. It's just more of a collaboration situation going on, or rehearsals, or do a show. Um, so I'm, I'm just I'm lucky in that, in that way. And then anything else that I take on, because everything is a gig for me, I don't really have hey, I am beholden to this one company. They're paying me the majority of my income. I wish in some way. That'd be awesome. Um, but I have weird specialties. So at least locally in Arizona, it's just not necessarily called for someone to hire a full-time sideshow performer, you know, on retainer. But thankfully, I'm, I'm popular enough where across all these different groups that I work with and all the different skill sets that I've had to accumulate to actually let myself perform and not break the bank, right? So you learn how to sew more. You learn how to make props more. Uh, thankfully, my, my partner, my husband, he is very handy and very uh, adept with tools of all nature. So we build a lot of stuff together. I'm really good at design, and I can follow orders for the harder tools, and I haven't lost any fingers. <laughs> um, we also make all of our stilts. So you know what I mean? Like, uh, wow, that's awesome. That's how you save. If you, if you can actually make some of your stuff instead of buying all the costumes fully outright. But go with what your skill set is, you know. If you hate doing costuming, don't do it. Pay someone. The girls used to pay me to do that for them. Because some of them were just like, no, it's just not worth my sanity. I'm like that too. I don't really like doing web design that much. So my mom is awesome. And she does that. The main part for me is input the info. Great. I don't have to pull out my hair. Um... What else do I do? Well, I think that's interesting. That's interesting that, like, I mean, you seem to be kind of developing this network where you be, you're kind of becoming a reliable person to a lot of people, it seems like. like mm-hmm. Just like you said that you are having people who go to you for costuming all the time. Um, just kind of building up those, like, those collaborations and stuff as you go along. That's obviously paying off a lot. Um, now, I mean, do you feel like that was something you could do right away? Or is that, like... A behavior that you kind of have to learn like in the theater and in the arts community just being able to work with people like that I think it depends on how you're raised and what you're going for like an example I have some performer friends that are dancers like hardcore dancers right so they grew up dancing they grew up in that environment and how they're taken care of when it comes to their events and like what a dancer is responsible for what the production is responsible for is very different than the world that I live in where you're responsible normally for everything. Um, it's just different how a company of that style works versus an uh, entertainment, purely, company works. 
So you can learn it, you know, but I think it comes down to in the back of your mind, are you really enjoying this or not? Because if not, you're going to come up with excuses not to be there. And I've had some people that would be in that professional realm that thought they wanted to be in this realm. And that faded out pretty fast when it came down to the work, right? They're like, I got to do what? You know, it's, it's just different. And then you have the other ones that they're like, it's going to happen no matter what. And they have their kit down. You know, they're just rolling it in. They're like, what do you need? It's awesome. Um, and that's okay. I mean, these, these two groups can work together. It just depends on what the project is, you know? So, like, I have some projects, like, with the people that you were talking about, Jeffrey and, and Tom and Rachel and all that at that time, where each person has a different function on what they take care of, you know? Like, if one person is really cool handling all the costumes, they have a really awesome closet. The other person is really awesome at doing choreography. Another person is really good at schmoozing with the higher-ups and the clients. Like, that's... That works out nicely. And sometimes that collaborative will keep continuing to make, try to make work together over Because years. you get comfortable with each other and, like, you're you know, Right. Like, one of them recently messaged me because they want to bring back their show idea in a few months here. So, like, they just did the reach out to all the artists that they used to work with. Like, are you still in? We're like, yeah. Just let us know when so we can just work out those details. Um... And then it, it's, you never know who you used to work with might be your next boss. It's like more true. The person that you used to perform with before might be the next show producer that you're trying to work for now. It happens all the time. Do I want to produce all my shows? Or would I rather someone just pay me? You know, it depends. Some people really just like the producing of the show part. And some people really like the performing part. Some people like both. I like both. But I have to be motivated actually produce the show so I'll do it for my students <laughs> yes for my students I will do it for you um, and I will do it for some of my hardcore performers and most importantly if I have an idea in my head that's been running around that I can't do on a normal stage like my normal clients they're gonna be like what nah, I don't know if I really want to hire that really hardcore political piece for my fundraising event <laughs> for the children so the nice thing is because I did produce so many shows before I also have that network of the people that I used to produce shows for that now go hey will you produce a show um, like that happened to Alwyn we did art detour and I created an entire stilt centric show my students and my steady Eddie performers that had volunteered. But it was extremely different. It wasn't burlesque per se, you know, it wasn't straight Cirque. It was a lot of performance art stuff in there. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. It wasn't what you would normally expect also out of stilters because we don't just walk around. That's boring. Um, although those are the gigs that pay better. The really boring ones. They pay the best. Just the ones that are like the corporate, like, they're going to walk around on stilts. Look how tall they are. <laughs> the best paying gigs are the ones where the people there completely ignore you. <laughs> they don't care. They're like, yeah, I'm going to drink my drink. And just be over here. It's like, don't mind me. I'm huge. I'm just 20 feet tall with a dress that takes up half the room. It's all good. Um, but hey, those, those are also the ones that better and might take care of my mortgage so I'm okay with that <laughs> I can be bored for an hour or two no problem no problem no problem so, I'd rather do that than go to an office job yeah so what do you prefer then as a performer when you're when you're doing something like that where it's maybe like a street festival and you're you are just like dealing with passers-by like what that's kind different. of interaction do you like oh is that no, that's different street festivals way different than the hoity-toity private event where they're really ignoring you now don't get me wrong like, a lot of those private events, they're way into you. But there's just a certain extreme level, you okay. know, like the extreme, extreme high level where you could you could not be there. Really. You're literally just a painting on the wall that I mean, they have to walk around. Exactly. You're adding to the whole ambience, and I uh -huh. get it. Like, the whole scene looks beautiful. You probably would never create it yourself, you know, without the, the work of the whole team that gotcha. goes into that type okay. of a production. So you're, you're grateful for those experiences. And I've been actually able to design some of my own costuming and such for those things as well. Where, oh. Because they know I'm so crafty mm -hmm. and that I'll go big. <laughs> They're like, hey, this is the theme. Can you pull something together? Sure. 
and if I don't, I will sell something from scratch. So I actually remember that from the one time that we got to work on the same project together. Like <laughs> you, you showed up and like I, I am definitely in that that I think former category of like. I have like a narrow skill set that I'll really tackle, but like need a little help with the costuming and the makeup and stuff. But you came in and you were like, "Oh, what are we doing?" Okay, great. And you just like had this yeah bag where you literally just like had feathers and like attachable mirrors and stuff like that. And you're just like, "This is who I am." And I'm like, "That's amazing." So congratulations. <laughs> so that was the the chocolate one, yeah, right? The chocolate fair, yeah. Yeah. He just told me uh, bring my big white stuff. I'm like, all right, gotcha. <laughs> That's, that's super fascinating. That's awesome. So, I mean, so were you always somebody, I mean, would you characterize yourself as someone who always was like kind of bold like that and like willing to take those risks or was it like once you got into the community a little more that like, you came out more? The more you're in it, you know, you, you loosen up. I, by nature, I'm very quiet, very reserved, um, only child, you know what I mean? Spent a lot of time home alone, still do. Um... I try to make sure I get out every now and then and talk to humans, so I'm not just talking to my pets, <laughs> my husband. Uh, but yeah, um, working with more people, I, I'm more of a person that likes to go to like group classes and workshops and intensives. Something structured? Structured, where I'm learning from someone um, so I can build it into my practice overall. And normally when I go to those things, I, I start meeting other people that are so passionate about that thing too or curious and sometimes it's someone that's also taking other things with me so it's like hey you know what I mean you're all together again um, you loosen up with those people a lot it becomes easier each time you go that's the hard thing I think for some people like especially adults right if you didn't grow up in this which a lot of us don't how do you get over going to that first class you don't know anyone and you've been asking your other half to go with you or your best friend, and they just keep like coming up with excuses, you know? Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I already worked out and I'm really sore. Um, so the biggest thing is just go to the class, pay the money. Even if you're like, uh, should I just pay the money, go to the class, you'll feel better afterwards, I swear. Because if I don't spend the money doing that, I'm gonna waste it just like at Circle K because I can't, you know? Um, but for me, it's sanity too. Like I need, I have to go to those every now and then. Otherwise, I feel like I don't grow anymore, and my skill sets go the other direction. Like I'm not being challenged. I'm not going to practice anything. You can't make me. I'm going to sit on my couch because I can't think of anything better to do. I could be doing a ton of things. So I have to make sure that I'm excited and doing something every now and then, and it keeps the rest of my engine going. It's like okay, but also like doing all these shows. You know, like I pick up these different shows that ask me to be in it. I'm in the show tomorrow, yada yada. So when I pick them up, I make sure it's something that I'm like, would I be excited to do those acts? Or is it going to be a chore? And if it's going to be a chore, is there a way that I can flip this gig around that I wouldn't make it a chore? Can I negotiate somehow? That happens. So. Whether it's a show or an event or something else, I try to have that conversation with people. It's uncomfortable at first, but you get better at it. Um, try not to be bitchy about it. <laughs> don't, don't try to be all hot and like, you're going to give me what I want. It's, it's not that. A lot of times they're willing to give in. They really are. Like, you can totally talk them up, but you have to be able to willing to have that conversation and hopefully sound like you're worth it. <laughs> See how it's good for them that you get to do this. Yeah, 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 especially. Because, you know, they, they understand there is time involved. If they want a good product, there's time involved on some level. Um, not having a regular job where I'm required to be there 20, 40 hours regular schedule allows me a lot of flexibility to determine, I have a project. How much time do I think I really need that? Like, how much time, lead up time, how many days free do I really need open for me to do something cool for that? Um, sometimes I might have something just in my closet already, like, I'm doing that number, that's it, it's done. But lately I have been pushing my own boundaries on how I'm producing my own pieces. And also I'm taking into consideration my next levels of what I want to start doing, which is traveling more with it. 
Now, it's kind of hard to travel when you're a prop whore. You know, if you have an entire trailer of props, that's hard. Like, you can only drive with it then. I can't fly with it. It's too much weight. Like, my bed and nails, it's insanely, insanely heavy. Um, and that's just one. So, what can I do? What can I do to travel easy and almost feel like it's a pop-up tent? And I have considered putting a pop-up tent on the stage before. Do you know what I'm talking about with those? Yeah. Um, I would need four assistants, though. I've already thought this out. So, we'll do it one day. Um, <laughs> but last show, I, I, I figured out how to make a puppet theater. Like, eight-foot-tall puppet theater, six feet wide. And then I had doors that hinged open on the side so no one got to see in there unless I wanted them to. You know? Yeah. And one of my entire acts was behind there. Um, that was that challenge. That required a dolly. And my challenge for this weekend is one suitcase. <laughs> All acts must fit in one suitcase with props. And I want those props to be able to expand to be larger. And that was successful. It is all in my suitcase right now. <laughs> it comes apart, reassembles. It's awesome. Very lightweight. So how do you have that conversation with yourself as a performer of like have, getting to express yourself as creatively, as open as you want to, but like knowing your limitations? Was that something that took a lot of trial and error for you? or? Well, I had a lot of chances to succeed and fail, and I'm, I'm sure not all of those were pretty scenes. You know, I, I think everyone's gone off stage before and gone, eh, that didn't go as I thought it would in my head, right? Yeah. Costume malfunctions, music malfunctions, technical malfunctions, audience is weird. Um, it, or I didn't translate right. You know, it could have just been staging, just with the lighting or whatever, because a lot of venues... They won't change it that often, depending. Yeah. Well, but it just doesn't read right. <laughs> even just like the planning stage, though, like when you're talking about there, where it's like, I need to make sure all of these acts fit into the that suitcase. Was, like, that was my yeah. personal goal. I'll give myself challenges, right? Uh -huh. So I'm not just waiting to go to a class to challenge myself. I have to do those every now and then just so I stay in the practice of continuing to challenge myself. Like recently, I went back to Ariel. And it hurt. This is where you don't—you have to bleep me out if you want, like a motherfucker. Like it hurt so bad. I did three hours, and I was like, T-Rex girl for the next forty-eight hours. It's—it's it's gonna hurt for the next few months because I have to get back into aerial training for one of my other goals. Um, I think initially, some people go into it knowing what their goal is, and other people kind of fumble around until you find what it is. And I think I was kind of that latter, fumbling around. I just kept finding more more things that I was interested in. I'm like. Yeah, I'll take. I'll spend more money, and thank God I had a full-time job back then. I mean, that's the only way I could have afforded it initially for all the training. I was, I was, I was in classes like at least five days a week. You so you know. just devoured it right off the bat. Oh yeah, any place I had, you know, unlimited, I was all over that class yeah, card. Yeah. Um, I still am. I'm like, who has unlimited for adult classes? So the nice thing is because I'm also an instructor, trade. Right? So sometimes I work it in with some of my other friends who are also, hmm, guess what? All the instructors in town, right? We've been doing this for a while. We kind of know each other. Um, and we actually teach together, too. So sometimes my participation in their program to teach my skill sets to their students, I'll get compensation plus training hours with them. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's something I wanted to ask about, too, so you already kind of answered it. But I'm, I am kind of curious, just like, when you're taking classes and for the most part it's all your peers and you guys have all kind of kind of grow grew up together in the scene like is there ever like an ego thing is it ever like a weird dynamic where it's like oh i i don't know if I, you really should be teaching me this type of thing i think I'll, for, for the ones that already know each other right uh -huh. we already know what each other's skill sets are so it's never a situation where you're going in going that sucked <laughs> you're going in because you're like, dude, you're awesome at acro. Please teach me that thing because I'm killing myself. I can never get that one inversion right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we trust them already. We already have that built in. Like, if you didn't know them going in, maybe. And not to say that I'm friends with like every instructor in town. And there's also a lot of awesome guest instructors that come into town. Like, that some of those studios are now bringing in so that you're not always taking from them. And so that they also get inspired to learn new skill sets as well. Um, it's just an endless cycle, right? And then you have some of our people that go, that are the travelers, right? That are a little bit more free-spirited. They don't necessarily have the tie-downs of family and pets and 
mortgage and blah, 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 blah. So they tend to travel to the other countries or the other states, and then they come back with their skill sets, but they're not like kick-ass kings of the universe. <laughs> You're like, please, please, sir, teach me a little bit. Um, and also the, the touring network has got quite big. Like it, it's really popular for people that I, that I run with. So it's, it's not uncommon for them to also spend like so many months in each state and just keep traveling around. So you know you see them every year at least once, you know, get caught up, learn their new skill set, keep up leveling up. But you have to kind of figure out something to do with it in the end. Otherwise you're just, if you just keep taking classes, <laughs> you never figure out what you actually like to do or what you're really good at doing. You could be a lot. You could be good at a lot. But if, if you don't figure that out on some level, then you're just going to keep going to classes. You probably aren't inspired as much to become a professional performer. Um, or maybe you're just a different type of performer too. Uh, some people just, they don't perform like events and festivals and in that respect of like, I'm trying to make a living money-wise. They go a different route of competitions. There's a lot of uh, competition festivals now for burlesque especially and circus and sideshow even, or and sometimes some of those that will do all three of those into one. So some people are traveling performers now, and they just pop from festival to festival competing and getting accolades, and of course that can help them in other ways, but their focus is just a little different too. Um, and of course you, you get hybrids of anything out there, but mine is a little different. Because um, when I came into it, eh, I'm, most of, I'm a little more of a homebody. I have a husband, I have pets, I have a house, um, and I have responsibilities here. So, you know, traveling for long periods of time wasn't really an option. Although, that's one of the things that we're also working for. So, like, you keep having goals, right? Okay, I'm going to produce stuff. Okay, now I'm going to do this. Okay, now I'm going to do this level. Now I'm going to take on these new things. I'm going to get really awesome. Now I'm going to get better gigs. All this stuff. You keep just going through whatever your, your path is. Now I'm at the point where we are going to try to focus on fixing up our house so that in three years, we'll go on, not necessarily, we're not calling it a tour. <laughs> it's not with the intention of a tour. We actually have a lot of friends that were from here that moved away over these last years, like all over the country. And some of them are in really good art spots, right? So what we wanna do is take off at least six months, if not longer, and go visit them and also perform on the road and check out the different communities and network and blah, 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 but also just road trip and rent out our place while we're gone. Right? And preferably to one of our artist friends because, hello, my living room is set up as a dance studio complete with ballet bar. <laughs> Might even keep my stripper pole there for them, too. So That's an easy sell, I'm sure, to a lot of people, yeah. At least in my community, is like yeah. having your own private dance space to practice is just like everyone drools over it on some level. So I don't think it'll be hard to rent. We just want to make sure it's all set. Because we have a historic <laughs> house, so there are some things that are old on it. So we're just taking care of all that. And then there's other things that I've been doing. So, like, there's there's ways to get accolades, you know, so that you seem legit. <laughs> there's the festival way. There's go to the four-year school or two-year whatever school um, because there are some circus university right. type situations sure. going on out there. You can get, like, a bachelor's degree or, or what have you and hire all different types of fields relating to circus, too, now. Um, but what, what do I need? Like, I can get anything. I mean, I can pay anything and audition for any place. Like, but what do I, what do I really need in the future? Um, it's like, as, as my skill sets kept changing, I kept changing on what I was teaching because that's what my focus is on, right? Right now, I'm not really teaching as many sideshow or, or burlesque or fire because that's not where my focus is on. My skill set's where it needs to be on that, but my focus is on stilts because that's the thing right now in this area that has the biggest growth opportunity. Like it's, it's, it's the most untouched thing to play with. No one else is playing with it. I'm glad you brought that up actually because I saw on the, the House of Cirque website when you're like your open audition page, you said no matter what the performer wants to learn, everyone's required to do stilts. Yeah. I thought that was super interesting. Like so why, <laughs> like, why do you feel like that is? Why do you feel like that's such a necessity? Because um, <laughs> we get called on as House of Cirque. We're known as stilting. So, like, if we go do a parade or something, you need to be on high so people can see you. You know, if we want to get instant attention when we do First Friday Art Walk, everyone's on stilts. You literally have to fucking be above everybody else. 
I'm short. I'm five one. I need stilts just to be able to be see, like see it all, not look at the back, your back the whole time. And I actually have to be on a foot taller still if I actually want to be as tall as my other stilters because I'm so short compared to them. Like my husband's six three. I'm five one. We go on two feet. There's no difference there. I still look like a kid next to him. You know what I mean? Like, so, and I'm fine on three footers. I love my three footers too. Um, we have all sorts of heights, but. Uh, it's just because it's, it's what we do. It's, it's my primary on what I teach also. And if someone was going to become a, a troop member, it, it was actually required for them to attend at least half of the still classes every month for continuing education. Right? Um, and if they did have some kind of difference in mobility situation, then I was also totally down for arm stilt people peg leg people just give me a stick somewhere <laughs> you know you can be in a wheelchair and I'll do tricks off of you so I'm down they just have to be they have to be able to work around the stilt um, family because uh, there's also things that yes stilters can do all up above here but we also do some work with floor people so you would have to learn that counter roll at least you know what I mean like yeah. you're gonna learn how to lift a stilter congratulations <laughs> um, which is fine I'm sure so, I mean, why do you feel like that's that's missing in the area? I mean, is it just something that people weren't considering before? Or why do you think people need stilts so much right now? Well, because I said so. No. Um, <laughs> I like stilts, yeah. right? It's, it's the next thing that I want in my own arsenal skill sets that I want to keep pushing. Yeah. So how am I going to keep pushing it? I have to force myself to do classes. I have to force myself to give an incentive to keep doing it. Um, not that I'm forcing myself. I want to do it. I have opportunities because I offer teaching stilt classes to rent a facility where I can actually practice it and not die from the heat outside with really huge ceilings and tall equipment that I can hang from and I can do aerial from while still on. So it's like there's a lot more options in there than if I was just to do a solo practice on my own. Um, not only that, there's, at least in this area, um, most of the stilt gigs you get, like the ones that they ask for, it's, it's costumed normally, and you're just walking and photo, 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 um, which are cool, but once you teach stilters the other world of stilts, you know, you can go upside down with it. You can do floor work, you can do group work, you can do lifts, you can do drops, you can do crazy stuff with it. Um, they get really like, what? You know, light bulb goes on, they start playing, hours go by, they're sore later. It's good times. Um, and it's just interesting to me, the dynamic. And probably because I've been short my whole life. Like, this is the only time I've been tall. You know? Live it up now. Um, but other groups that I'm inspired by, their work, they're all still practitioners. Not that I don't look at other work, too. I do. I look at, I follow and stock some costume designers and best, like, all that. But stilters are the most unique one. There's a couple different groups. There's one in Tucson. And then uh, the other group that we love is Carpetbag Brigade, and they're the ones that host Global Stilt Congress out here every year or so. They're not doing it this year, but it'll be again next year. Um, but that's where it's a gathering of Global Stilt Congress, right? So from other countries, all over the U.S., and it's been growing every year that we've been hosting it there. It's over at Arcosanti, so this great, beautiful area, right? Use the amphitheater, use the vaults. We're huge. It's huge. It fits. But it's also great networking. And you're introduced to all these different people doing the same practice, all different, all different styles of stilts too. You try on each other's stilts, you almost fall over um, because everything's backwards on it, right? And their balance is completely opposite of yours because of it. You see, you see stilts on rollerblades, you're like, what? You see um, pogo style stick jumping stilts, which are so awesome. You have to like actually pump them up because of the hydraulics before you put them on. Um, there's just so many different things, um, and it's also international. We get a lot of Canadians. Uh, we had the Italians out last time too. Uh, might get the Germans next year. Who knows? Oh, the Mexican crew also. Um, they're awesome. I speak no Spanish. They're still awesome. <laughs> That'd be my next challenge. I need to learn Spanish before I see them again. <laughs> Maybe a little French too. A little French too. Um, but you just get inspired. Like they, they push it. Like they're all in their own fields, they've all taken the practice and twisted it in their own beautiful way. And so you get some new inspiration based off of that also. So if, if, for me, it's just been like, 
Take more info. I'll take a workshop from you. Twist it on top of everything else I do. Take it from here. Ooh, look. Look what now it can do. Um, there's another group that's in New Mexico that they're, they're instructors in the Global Stilt Congress also for the aerial stilt portion, but they're really hardcore into oversized mask work as well, right? Huge, like tall, you know, um, backpacked on sticks on, on top of you and huge arms and what have you. So those are pretty interesting to me as well. So my, one of my next acts is actually creating an oversized thing. That then I become separate. Like initially, I'm inside of it, so you can't tell. And then I actually separate out of it, and then it's two different beings that are actually fighting each other still. So that's amazing. You should come tomorrow. That'd be fun. Okay, I like that. It's a free show. It's free. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll ask you about that afterwards. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm curious about this since you're talking about like all the different um, groups and stuff that you meet up with at these uh, kind of retreats and gatherings and stuff like that. Um, I noticed like uh, you've you've worked with a lot of different groups professionally too. Um, so I just I guess kind of generally kind of tell me about those experiences like working with I saw Mystic Circus and Circus Farm and and uh, I mean Provocatees before it became what it is now. Um, I work so, with like every burlesque group in town. Yeah. So I mean, is there I guess kind of a sub question to describe me? It's like is there any kind of benefit you feel like to being a member of someone else's group as opposed to like kind of starting one yourself? See, I'm, I'm tortured about the word uh, group work, okay, group work in fair. general, yeah. um, or I should say troop, troop work, troop work versus non-troop work. And by yeah. troop, I mean you're with that troop, you're ongoing, you're not stopping. It's not because you're together for that one show. You're just together for shows yes. indefinitely, <laughs> right? There's you're that a package type. deal. You yeah. are, and you might work outside the troop, uh-huh. but like you guys have weekly rehearsals, <laughs> you have obligations to them, and then you have groups versus a troop. Okay. A group would be, might be the same group of people, but like they're coming together with the end purpose of that show, that gig, or that series of events. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, both appeal to different types of people. I've been in both. Um, initially, I needed the troop work. Like it helped me figure out the structure of how things work in certain shows. What do people need? Because I'm dealing with people that don't have my skill sets all the time, right? And I'm having to be a, a supportive role for them as well because the troupe does not survive unless everyone helps out on some level. So, like, and I asked to be the director of the troupe too, just because my natural thing was like, where's the checklist? We're gonna have the checklist. <laughs> um, so it was good, like, to be inside of it, but it also means you're dealing with all different types of personalities, and different troops are put together differently. So sometimes you have a choice over how those personalities are selected, and sometimes you do not. I've been in both situations. I've also been in a situation where I was in charge, and then personalities changed. Or when we finally added someone, like the mix got really weird all of a sudden. Like it just didn't balance anymore. Um, for, For me right now, I prefer groups. We're coming together for a group purpose. We'll probably not be together at the end of this, but we'll have good intentions towards each other. So if there's other opportunities, we're going to call on these people because now we trust them for the good experience to be referred out for those other experiences. And that's where my business is. That referral, right? So it's like a nice happy medium between being kind of freelance and not getting overdosed on anybody, but still... You can always say yes or no. And that's the nice thing right now. If I was in a troop, I wouldn't necessarily always be able to say no. A group, a project... Can say yes or no. I can look at my schedule and go, ah. yeah. A lot of times I'll say yes, unless I can't negotiate something out or I have other things going on that there's just like it's not going to be balanced for me. So I have to have so many days off to crystal self. <laughs> um, I can't just go on a binge infinitely. Like I have to have some downtime at some point. That might be me hiding in my blankets at home, making the fortress of, of, of Netflix, <laughs> making popcorn. But I have to have like that downside to my other extreme side of me. You know, like extreme productivity, extreme sloth. Um, that's my balance, at least on some level. Uh, and then it's also hard initially because like, you get into perform, perform, perform. Like, where's the other balance of not performing? You used to do normal stuff. Like, you used to go out and see your friends. Not because they were performing, not because you were performing. Like, 
you to see family and not hound them about coming to your shows. There's like what happened to that normalness. So that's the other nice thing. Now that I'm not producing myself all the time, and I'm not in the initial struggles that you are when you're first becoming a performer where you have to do that, right? You're just trying to get the word out. Yeah. It's nice to not have to do that part right now. Um, it's interesting. Like, the, the more groups you also work with, the more your name grows. So if you're willing to work with more and not just one, it's awesome. Unless you happen to be signed on to, like, a talent agency or something, you know what I mean? They're just feeding you work. You're like, this is awesome. It, you know, and, and that would be great. That'd be great too. That'd be awesome. I'm, I'm totally not against someone signing me, putting it out there, anyone. <laughs> you can totally sign me and all my people. But at least I know what I'm doing right now works. It works for me, it works for my sanity. My husband's happy too. You know, I'm calmer now than I used to work at insurance, you know. So you brought up, you brought up like just kind of that beginning struggle, and it makes me kind of curious. Like, this is a question I feel like I end up asking a lot of people. It's like, when you when you're first starting off, it does feel like you kind of have to say yes to everything. You have to get your name out there. You have to really hustle it. So, at what point did you kind of start to realize you could start saying no? Um, when you start noticing you're pissed off at a gig, <laughs> like okay. internally you're not happy that you're there. Why aren't you happy that you're there? Because you said yes to something that internally you're like, you know what? I'm beyond this right now. Like, I'm beyond the struggle of what that is, or my skill set deserves more money than that for the amount of time that was put into it. Or you just don't like the vibe of the event. Like, you know what I mean? Like you start learning certain things that work for you and don't work for you. Um, so it's, <laughs> I'm sure the word is out there somewhere. Crystal doesn't do free stuff. Crystal likes to get paid. I do do free stuff, but they have to be love projects. And I have to have balance of like how many I can fit into my schedule because I have to actually pay my mortgage. Um, I like that. It's nice. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that little balance. Um, I've had some friends that like were friends for a long time, artist friends that have gotten mad at me recently because I turned down their project. Like they actually took it personally offended that I turned down their project. And it, the only reason I said no to the project was, well, a couple reasons. Jammed pack season, time frame, right? But also because their end goal of the project, for me artistically, wasn't going to work. Like, it just wasn't going to give me personal drive to complete that end result. Or at least that end result wasn't what I needed artistically inside of me right now. It wasn't satisfying. Yeah, I'm like, I get where you're going. Cool concept. Get the message. I'm just not excited about it. So... Again, I have to be excited on some level for me to be willing to make a costume. And then the costume has to be a certain level now, too, because I can't make it as ghetto as I did in my first years, right? you got a standard to live up to now. You're I, I do, yeah. because I know the difference in how crappy I can look body-wise if the costume fits weird or is, you know. I'm willing to do some things cheap, but just at least if I'm trying to get a certain image across for them and I can't do it on what is being offered, then I'm going to be blunt about it. It's like, well, you know. Um, and, and hopefully you can keep those relationships repaired. I, I think I did repair that relationship. Um, I know I burned bridges otherwise. You know, like you, when you're younger too, uh, like I said, try to be nice to everyone. I don't know if I necessarily was always nice. Um, like I said, to get better with practice, right? Looking back, yeah, I made some mistakes. Okay. But obviously I fixed them on some level because I work with everyone now for the most part, including some of the groups that used to be mad at me that I know for sure. So, <laughs> you know? Have you ever been on the other side of it? Like as somebody who used to produce a lot, have you ever run into um, just like an artist or something like that where they had to turn you down or something and you're like, you motherfucker, I can't believe you. Yeah, but you know what? You, you end up not being mad at them because you know in the back of your head you're never going to hire them again. It's not in that capacity. You know, like you've, you've had the experience. Maybe you know what their triggers are now or where the reliability is. And you just, like I said, you, you know, if you can trust them or not with certain responsibilities. So if that's not going to work for you currently, then mm. I've also learned don't bake the divas. So if you have someone on cast that is a superstar, don't beg them to perform. If they want to be there, they're going to be there. If they're professional enough, they're going to follow through. But the diva that is the diva can go home. 
<laughs> because everyone else is working really hard. You know, it's, it's hard. Um, not to say that, you know, uh, and don't, don't mistake the attitude of diva of the burlesque and drag world versus actually being a diva sure. in reality, backstage, causing hell. Oh, yeah, no, um, I've never, like, met, like, a, a performer like that who, like, acts like a diva on stage who's actually, like, difficult to work with. Right. Oh, no, they're awesome backstage. Yeah. The ones that are, like, the biggest divas on stage, they're getting shit done backstage. <laughs> the ones I, I mean, I think the, probably the biggest divas I've worked with, that, the biggest divas on stage were drag queens. Right. So, like, they just, like, their persona was just so tight and everything else was just so wonderful. You're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm really enjoying this ride. Let's do this. I still like that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, just kind of talking about that that side of things. That's something that like I don't really know as much about. Like I, I don't know a lot of burlesque performers specifically. Um, so I'm curious, like kind of how how you got into that world. I know you said you worked with quite a few different companies, and kind of how that eventually transformed into like the House of Cirque and stuff like that. Well, burlesque already is in vaudeville, right? So like a lot of the burlesque shows. I mean, some are pure shows around town. Like you do have a couple that are real purists. Um, but the rest of them normally are variety or vaudeville. Yeah, you know, they're, they're a little bit of a mix because most of the performers, they've been inspired by different things. And I mean, it does get a little boring if you just have a girl going up on stage and dancing, showing her tits and going off stage. Next girl comes on stage, shows her tits and goes off stage. It becomes too formulaic. So throwing in these other things keeps you guessing. And everyone's just more entertained overall. It doesn't feel like you're competing really with the other numbers. You're just going into whatever your art form is. Kind of like what you were talking about before with the tap dancer and with mm-hmm. different costuming and stuff like yeah. that. And you know, then you start crossing. Like, okay, you tap dance. Great. I do bed and nails. Awesome. So now you're going to tap dance on the bed and nails on me. Great. Let's do this. <laughs> um, and then you come up with some really interesting things. Awesome. What was your question again? <laughs> I just, I mean, I guess I was just kind of curious about that world and how, to, how you kind of ended up there and then took that and like kind of developed into what you want to do now. I mean, like, how was that a step in your journey, I guess? How was that a step? Just try it. If it sucks, move on, you know, or be inspired to get better at it, you know. Um, gosh, everything starts off horrible. <laughs> or at least, you know, not looking awesome. I'm sure my fire eating back when I first started is nothing compared to now. Now I actually do like contests with the audience of how many I can eat in a row. And I teach kids how to count. I'm educational. And <laughs> <laughs> going off that, you did the light rail place too, which is, oh, yeah. I think, is super cool. So, like, how did you. Well, I guess, I mean, not necessarily how did you get into that, but um, how how is it a different dynamic when you're, like, teaching a kid when it comes to that? Kids versus adults, it's very similar, actually. <laughs> it's very similar. Um, except the kids are normally a little less scared than the adults. You know? They're like, sure, I'll climb that. Sure, I'll, I'll get down those, whatever. Um, they, they normally will say yes faster than an adult will. An adult might think for a moment. Unless I have my smiley face on, then they might not think. Um, but, you know, with, with, with kids, I'm also only teaching them stilts, primarily. Or um, some of my my co-performers, I'll have them teach their skill sets, like hula hooping, juggling, um, rollerball. There's a whole array of circus arts that are accessible for kids, definitely. I just tend to go with a little more dangerous stuff overall. Um, do you find the kids are normally they, kind of shy when they're first coming off? I mean, I know you said they're, they're willing to do stuff, but I think they're it's just kind of attitude. Stuff. I've had different kids with the Rising Youth Theater, because I've done it a few years. Um, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Slightly varying in age, but like you know, some are a little bit more outgoing, some a little bit more shy, or just, you know, yeah. what's my next thing I'm doing type thing. But oh, we're just like, really willing just to get into it. It was never an issue of <laughs> you know, there was, there was never anything of that nature. Um, and they have a really good program over there. They, they have their system down on how they reverse the kids, how they do the team builders, how they, they build out that trust in them and sense of play and group work as well so that they don't really feel inhibited. You know, it's not, it's a, it's a situation is like when you're put with your adult artist, you know you're going to work. Yeah. And the lucky kid that got stilts that time, you know what I mean? So right. that's cool. Although this last time I didn't actually have them on stilts, so we had less time. So our schedules didn't match up as well this time. Um, but it was fine because the, the the theme of the 
the light rail for that year. It just worked better with a whole a different idea that we had on um, seeing being seen and unseen, and it was around homelessness and differently abled, and so the the um, the youth artist uh, was actually playing a disabled person. Um, where her legs weren't fully functional. She had to use arm stilts for that to actually be able to walk. And then I was on a rolling cart um, on stilts, but dressed, I was fully homeless, like ex-veteran style. Um, and there's a whole series of things like where we both fell in some capacity and we had to work together to get up and exchange props even and realize it was actually helping the other one more. And then... At the end, she rode off on my back while I was on four-legged stilts into the sunset. So it was like really beautiful. That's awesome. You know, didn't need her to be on stilts for that one. We just needed it to read what the situation is. At heart, I'm a performance artist. Mm -hmm. I create all this stuff to create the reality that I need to portray. So I have skill sets that can help out with that, right? And if I don't have it, I look into it until I figure out if that's a skill set I need to take on or if I need to pay someone, <laughs> right? Or if I need to go a different direction because maybe that's just not going to work for me right now. So for you, does like the the kind of abstract idea come first and then you kind of work to implement it? Is that normally your process? Start starts different places. It depends on like what project is being presented to me. So like um, tomorrow's show was presented to me as a nerd-related burlesque type show. So, you know, cosplays on the table superheroes, whatever in that realm. So I start off first with, for that one, an idea of what the theme should be. And then internally I'm going, okay, how can I actually bring myself and like, what, what do I feel inspired to actually portray? Um, and this one I actually ended up creating my own superhero um, that everyone could relate to in current day. I sometimes put political things in my pieces. <laughs> Um, but it'll be one of those where you should definitely get a lot of fans out of it, to say the least. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I like to add some humor in there. Uh, like I said, oversized puppets might be in there somehow. <laughs> uh, and then the, I needed to expand it into a two piece because I was then asked to do a second piece, uh, last night. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm do this all right. So, um, the second piece will be more of a uh, burlesque inspired. More straightforward. It, more so, but I can't do it straightforward, right? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> how, does, how is my costume situation going to change? Does it morph into anything different? What are the reveals? What's really happening here? Because I know how someone strips. It's pretty easy, right? Things come off, nice. things come out. <laughs> um, you know, you, you perform with a gazillion different. Uh, artists and they all do beautiful glove peels. They all do wonderful leg extensions. So, what am I going to be that's a little different on stage? So it's just not another hot person up there. Yeah, I call myself hot. At that wig, little okay. glitter lipstick. <laughs> I swear to God, no one, no one knows what I really look like, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. No one knows anymore. Initially, I used to have my face out there. Mm -hmm. Oh look, I'm gonna put my makeup on. Woo! And then you get over it. Especially the fake eyelashes. Um, and I still do all that stuff. And tomorrow I actually will be doing my face, but I will be throwing on a fabulous wig. Um, but sometimes I play with like perception, you know. I'm trying to create a reality. So the last show I did at, that was at this series of shows at Valley Bar, um, it was a fetish theme, right? And so I'm like, all right, well, I know what everyone else on cast normally, like I know from their feeds and everything what they're trying to promote. Like, this person's trying to do more better nails, this person tries to do this, you know what I mean? So this is their focus. Let's not have two things on the menu that are the same. Toss those ideas out. What do I have left and what am I inspired to do? And what do I have costuming possibly for already? So I can save money. Um, it ended up being group pieces and I wanted us to wear white blank masks the entire time. And black hoodie. So, like, you have the black hoodie and then the white mask. So, like, you can't tell if you're male. You can't tell if you're female. You can't tell. Like, yeah. you are just the fantasy at this point. Just a body. Just a you're just a body. Creepy. Don't know what you're thinking, body. <laughs> but filling out this scene, this fantasy. Um, and it really pushed it right. Because on top of that, we also had them. I had two assistants. Mm -hmm. 
that were some of my students. So my students do get unique opportunities from family friendly to adult. And they were completely cloaked matching in every number. Um, so it was, it was a fun experiment. Um, I'm not going to tell you what all those acts were. There's sort of three different acts, but they were a family of acts. So like each time this was, the head part was all the same and then just the costuming changed slightly. Uh, even the music I was using was a similar artist to kind of keep this scene of like whenever I come out, you know shit's going down. And that's exactly what happened. Everyone was like, oh. People caught up on that right away. Yeah, they're like, what's happening? You know? Um, the last one ending with me on stilts, which valley bar is so short in there, I like almost touched the ceiling. So, and I did bang my head on the way off the stage, which is hilarious to me. I don't think anyone noticed, but it was a black hole right across there. And like, I have to like duck it anyway. And yeah. <laughs> it's a grand finale. Grand finale. Don't, don't mind the still okay. turping in their head as they exit. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious. I know we're kind of running low on time, but yeah. you did bring up something I was curious about. Um, just the idea of like getting your students opportunities and stuff. How do you feel like you see potential in, in newcomers? Like, what do you look for when you see someone who's like, that's they're good for this. They're good for this type of role. Yeah. Well, as they're doing classes with me, it just, it just starts coming out of them. You know, like some of them will have whatever your prior or outside experiences, it'll start showing up once you're comfortable enough to get past the initial walking stage. So like if you're a dancer off stilts, guess what? You'll be able to dance eventually. Um, if you're into aerial and you're flexi, if you already were doing some kind of dance form or you do juggling already, um, you do drumming, you know? So like what, what is your skill set? And then on top of that, I, I do check you out. <laughs> As far as like, I see where your progress is, um, and how you would, if I was to book you out somehow, what would the client see? Are they? I am an agent. I, <laughs> my original name was Madam C for a reason. Um, House Madam. Is how people refer to me to House Madam, House of Sir, House Madam. Where's my cut? Where's my cut? <laughs> Madam C needs her money. Huh? Madam C needs her money. Right. They've got my money. Oh, man, that was funny. The last conversation I had with some of my performers about that, too. They, they were just used to doing a different type of gig where the money situation was different on how it was structured. And so it was the first time they were dealing with a situation where you have the possibility of making more money for more hours that you're there. <laughs> more than one hour. You get paid for the other hours. <laughs> on top of your tip. I don't understand. And, and they didn't they didn't realize that um, so I actually lost part of my fee for their extra hour because they just thought they were getting tipped out hardcore they're like oh my god it was great I'm like let me explain how this works and they were like oh and I could see them look at me like please don't tell us we have to give you the money <laughs> they're like you're gonna let us keep them right now right I'm like yeah 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 but just like it was it was more of a just because I know they're going to be working with more than me. It's not like I'm their captive agent. I know they're, they're having the goals of working with a lot of different groups in a lot of different situations, and they're just new to these other situations where there's more money possibilities than what they're used to. So, so to kind of bring it full circle, I mean, from somebody who came in from like a corporate world as an adult who had to just kind of force themselves to take the class and, and push through it and, and get comfortable, you know, being in those social kind of odd situations... How does it kind of feel to be in the position on the other side to see people who are coming in like that, maybe for the first time to try a class? And like, how do you how do you bring them out of their shell? I think cool. Let's play. Um, it, it starts coming out of them. You know, we, we we have different ways that we play with people. Yeah. Um, ask them questions. I mean, hold conversations. I mean, that helps. Yeah. Figure out what they're into. Um, and they they all become friends, and they just you know. There's this whole thing that happens for them because, especially with stilters, it's different than aerial. Aerial, you're on an apparatus, and normally it's the instructor that helps you. With stilts, if you're past your first class, you can actually be a helper. Like that new person, you can actually now go, Here, baby bird, let me hold you. You know what I mean? I've had my little 10 year old helping a new person who's like 40 and towering over her. Because it's just, it doesn't take much as far as like the extra weight or balance. They just need to be steady initially and given 
some encouragement and we, we tell them how things work, how to actually get down, how to get up again. Like we will do that in the first class, assisted, unassisted if they're really brave, but definitely assisted. And so they understand what the mechanics are. They're not scared so far. Although I do have some people that come to me and they are... They actually have a phobia of heights, so that's always interesting. They tend to hug the walls for the hour class, but they're very great because they're just staying up the entire time. Like, they didn't just go, no, I'm jumping down now. You know, they're, they're still taking steps. They're still trying. They just may not make it as far away as someone that's not having to overcome that. But, like, think about it. They just stood in their fear hours straight or longer. There's a two-hour workshop that happened, too. And they're in it. You know, you, you, can't, you can't fault them for not running away there. That's awesome. Um, and, and not everyone sees, like, what's going on. Like, they're all very supportive. They understand, like, small victories. And um, with stilters, they have to, the, we teach peg leg, so they have to continually move or they'll fall. So they really love group work and working together because then they don't have to move anymore, right? They can get a break. They can make a really cool sculpture. They can do a cool flip, whatever. They can hang upside down off of each other. Um, it also is just different. It keeps them more interested than if I just had them walking around and doing high kicks all day long. And I'm pretty sure my husband would have quit on me by now when it comes to this. But that's the nice thing, too. Like, my husband doesn't have any background as far as when it comes to a prior circus training or like performance art with that directed field of performing. He was always in the supportive role, my stage managers, uh, the tech people, the ones that you cannot do a show without. Um, but still, it was something he loved. So great, finally, you have a toy you can play on with us. And that's another reason, you know, I, I have from people that are just walkers, that that's their jam. And then I have people that are a little bit more into the acro portion of it right yeah or and then I also have um and they might not be my regular like weekly stilters but I have my professional performer crew right the ones that you do the, the big ass gigs on right the ones that are the other instructors in town that are just like uh, on point with their shit those ones also a lot of them are we cross train each other and stuff for this exact reason um so some of them if I need someone that's really acrobatic I might go hey you People that I sold stilts to and trained on stilts that happen to be acrobatic geniuses. <laughs> Why don't you do this gig? You already have routines, you know? Yeah. So, and awesome costuming. I don't have to worry about this. Um, although I do have a little range of costuming too. And that's another thing that, that hurts as a performer. Um, cost of costumes. Everyone has their expenses. Um, and like earlier, you make different things, and then as you start getting other gigs, you start going, oh, I need these other things. Now your collection grows. So now I have a collection of things that also work for corporate gigs, for solo or group, because I hire like contortionists or acro people or hula hoopers, and so I know what their general sizes are. So that's all on stock. <laughs> you know? Um, in case I have some people that either they don't already have matching costumes or I need to like. Sometimes I have to like match all three hula hoopers the same. So So I think it's kind of a good time to wrap it up right there. Um, I do like to ask a couple questions at the end though. Um, the first thing I normally like to ask is just any other artist in town of any discipline doesn't have to be a circus performer or anything that just anyone you want to give a shout out to you want to recognize. I already gave a shout out to my hubby. He handles so much for me. <laughs> And we're going to be making a lot of stilts over the next couple weeks, so woodworking. That's exciting. All the time. Our neighbors are going to be so excited for all the drilling. No, I think we're at the last part of it right now. It's the assembly, so it won't be that bad. I mean, there, there's a lot of artists in town. Yeah. You know, seriously, I could think, like, every group, every circus group, burlesque group, dance group, choreographer, different companies, small businesses, thank you, all of you, because a lot of them hire us to make their grand openings, to make their anniversaries, and also their, their private family events, like they hire us, and they're the ones that are referring us out too, beyond just the corporate world, so. Shout out local businesses, local first. I do, I've done a lot of events in my neighborhood, which is funny, like there's one 
showed up. I think it was like a Halloween event. I swear, like a dozen of my performer friends. We were all booked. Same house party. We're like, let's do this. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, we get to play. It's nothing against that. Um, but yes, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Tony, for the interview. Of course. Of course. And supporting starving artists everywhere. <laughs> uh, beyond that, any personal plugs you want to throw out there? Personal plugs. All right. Well, obviously, tomorrow, Q Cabaret. This is probably going to go out next Wednesday. I'm sorry. Ah, but forget that show. Sorry. You never heard of it. Although I'm performing in another one like in later. <laughs> This one goes out then, then this is for Stilt Camp Retreat. So this is our second annual Stilt Camping Retreat. It's going to be in Flagstaff. It is the first weekend of August, um, ages 10 and up. Primarily it's mostly adults, although some of them will bring their kids with, which we have some kids that are going to be there. Um, all levels, so you don't have to stilt today. You will be introduced to stilting. You're not required to stilt. We have other workshops as well. So like uh, we'll have introduction to juggling, um, balancing props, flow props, uh, superhero yoga. You can bring spandex if you really want. You don't have to. You might, I might roll my cape. It might be fun for that. And what else? Oh, we also have uh, drumming. So like you'll learn how to do percussions and make instruments and learn beats and rhythms and how to improvise together. And there's the disco party night. I have all the lights all set up already. But yeah, it's going to be fun. It's fun. We, we did it last year. Had a blast. We did it at a, a closer location. This time we rented a really official, beautiful location. Everyone has their own little spot. Yeah, it's so. a beautiful part of... I mean, I used to live in Flagstaff. That oh, part nice. is gorgeous. Um, but So when when is that? It's the 4th? It's, it's August 4th through August 6th. Okay, and and they, you can get early bird tickets right now online. That's at houseofcirc.org? Houseofcirc.com. Dot com. Dot com. Moving up. Always been a dot com for the money, baby. Dot com. But yeah, yeah, you can you can sign up there. Um, get a discount if you sign up by the end of July. So by the thirty first, you have to sign up, or you can pay a higher price. That's okay too. That is okay. You are supporting the arts. Take your time. Think about it. No, don't think about it actually, because stilt rentals go fast. If you need stilt rental, get your thing in now. Yeah. And I was looking at the, the prices online for it and everything. Super reasonable, actually, for, for what you're getting out of it. This is a super intensive camp. So. Right. It's three days, uh -huh. two nights. Plus, you get to hang out with us. So, I mean, awesome. My grandma might even be coming. She's not doing the stilting part, but she said she will play with the other stuff. So, I'm excited. It's the first time she's actually coming out for one of our things like that. Love it. Anything else you want to uh, throw out in August or later? You know, I think that's our, our main plug right now, just because all the other ones are like these small shows all over the place, and I don't want to muddy it up with so. the big thing I need to plug right now. Well, so for everything else, I can just kind of keep an eye on things online. Yeah, houseofcirc.com, yeah. we always keep it updated. I have a few more events that just came through right now, so I'll be updating it again. And we're taking on more and more things, so you'll just keep throughout next year. Actually, some things I haven't put it on there because I'm, I'm just trying to keep... I still camp at the top of the page for the events right now. <laughs> so once I reach my certain goal numbers, and I'll start adding the other things that are beyond that August date. But we have we have stuff lined up through the rest of the year. Actually, I have stuff lined up through April of next year right now for events. So. Love it. Okay. Well, the last thing I'd like to ask is just if you were to run into somebody who would just be just starting off, you know, trying to do what you do for the first time, in that, specifically in Phoenix, like what one advice would you want to give them? Don't be afraid to ask your friends where they learned cool shit. I like that. Love it. Don't be afraid to ask your friends where they learned cool shit. <laughs> be open for it. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Crystal. It was fun. Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.